What's going on, everybody? We're live. We look normal. There's nothing different about us today. There's nothing different at all. We all look exactly the same as we always have. And it's just Friday. There's no Halloween coming up or nothing. This is just what we chose. We're culturally appropriating today, okay? That's what's happening. <laughs> this is what's going on. Welcome in, everybody. Make sure you can hear us, that you can see us okay. Thank you all very much for joining us for the special, very special Friday version of our community stream. Halloween weekend is upon us. Let's go ahead and introduce the panel. Mr. Hans, go ahead and give us a brief introduction. Who are you? Who, uh, what's, uh, who are you? <laughs> Yeah, my name is Hans Nelson. Uh, I'm kind of an Elon nerd. I have a background in mechanical engineering. I've done quite a number of things. And uh, yeah, I love hanging out, talking about Tesla, Elon Musk, Twitter, you know, any of those kind of things. Awesome. Uh, Anonymous, would you like to uh, uh, reveal your identity? Oh, my goodness. Who could it be? I don't think so. I think he's going to keep it to himself. I hope he knows he's muted. <laughs> I don't think he did. <laughs> For today's purposes, I will go by Elon, but that's spelled E L A W N. Nice. Thank you. Elon. All right, Elon, we got you. Uh, Yashu, go ahead and uh, give us a, a brief intro. Actually, let's, let's. Uh, well, I guess he's Elon. We'll keep him as Elon. Yashu, go ahead and introduce yourself. What's up, Gigi Yang? I apparently <laughs> am invited to this channel to talk about Tesla today, or Twitter today, yes. for it slip, but I'm super excited. And uh, thanks for tuning in. And I love you guys' costumes. I wish I uh, was creating a, a early enough. Usually I wait until like the day of or like a party or something to like buy it an hour before. So a little yeah. bit behind so far. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. And then uh, Jared, go ahead and give us a brief intro. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Jared. You know, I've been following Elon, Tesla, SpaceX, and all the companies for um, nearly a decade now. Just a big super fan and happy to be here. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Let's uh, dig right in. So the, the big thing that happened this week, obviously, uh, Twitter was uh, finally um, finalized. And Elon, as of last night, is the CEO and owner of Twitter. Uh, we got announcements that uh, a few folks left the company. Um, Parag, the CFO, Parag, the CEO, the CFO of the company, and I believe general counsel and somebody else as well, uh, at least from what we've heard so far. Maybe we'll just go around the panel and we'll hear y'all's thoughts on what's gone down so far and we'll just turn it into a conversation. So uh, I'll just have uh, maybe Yashu, you can kick us off and then uh, we'll, we'll go around the horn. Sure. Uh, general thoughts around the Twitter deal. First, glad it's over. Uh, second, it, it makes sense. We were talking a couple of days ago, I think, for Azad, and we were saying how there's probably going to be a house cleaning and and it uh, how Tesla team is probably going to take over. And lo and behold, there seems like there's like a little uh, smaller group of head honcho Tesla engineers in the Twitter headquarters as we speak, probably debriefing on what steps to take, what actions to, what OKRs to set. So it's um, it's cool to see what's happening. I'm glad it's done more so than anything else as a Tesla uh, 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 enthusiast, first and foremost, I guess. So uh, uh, investor as well. So glad it's done and glad we can talk about how Twitter can better itself as a platform because I think there's a lot of things to talk about there. Sure. Uh, Jared? Yeah, I actually got super excited. Um you know, yesterday and today, because um, just seeing at least the videos and pictures of Elon at Twitter HQ a couple of days ago, I mean, 
Twitter's the first thing that Elon's been a big part of and a major leader in that's non-built by Elon. Um, so the fact that, you know, he was such a successful entrepreneur and is a successful entrepreneur that he's able to divert his resources towards this thing that he deems important. It's pretty cool. Awesome. Elon, what do you think? Not Elon, Elon. Uh, what are your thoughts? I'm uh, grateful that it's over. Uh, I'm grateful they did it a day early. That was nice. Uh, as of this morning, when I checked my Yahoo uh, list of stocks, I could no longer get Twitter. So I knew that it was done. Um, uh, I hope that because it, I think people will bitch about it. I hope he's careful about using um, Tesla assets on Twitter projects because those are kind of two separate things. If he contracts, you know, Tesla to do things, that's fine. But I don't want um, resources of Tesla to be kind of uh, be, uh, I'm going to say misappropriated, even though that's, I don't mean it that strongly. Um, I, I'm glad he apparently didn't have to sell stock and he kept his word. That, that, that was a big uh, plus for his integrity because he didn't yeah. do it apparently. Um, he must have been able to raise the additional capital or there was an adjustment in the total price, you know, based on the share shares. Um, so all in all, I think it's it's a nice ending. I think Gary Black thought it was a an overhang, so we should be like up ten percent today. Yeah, to we'll Gary. see. Right. Let's check. <laughs> so I have a question on that one, Elon. So how does sharing resources between Twitter and Tesla differ from sharing resources back and forth between SpaceX and Tesla or the boring company and Tesla, for instance, that, you know, we've heard that these types of things do happen in the background. Um, yeah. And so just, I'd love a little bit more color on how you see the differences between those things. And before you answer that, Elon, if you want to give just a brief background uh, so that folks have context. Yeah. I'm a lawyer by trade. Uh, so I may not know anything, but that's my background. Um, it, it may not mean it may not be any different, but nobody's focused on uh, you know the the rocket uh, business as much. Twitter obviously is a much more public issue, so it would be in essence using assets that should be used for Tesla on some other business. Um, and I would expect that the people that they're going to use, uh, the engineers that went over to Twitter yesterday. I assume those are not like dumb guys. I assume those are probably the smarter engineers they have. So those are probably more valuable assets. So it, it, it becomes a problem. Uh, you can account for it, you can charge for it, but those engineers should be working on Tesla projects, not on Twitter projects. That's kind of the bottom line. So it may be no different, but I think Twitter is a much more public project. And if it became like, incessant people would bitch so from a legal standpoint and potentially even like a market standpoint if um how do you see engineering talent actually being hired by twitter from tesla and um people moving back and forth in like a more official capacity than just going and working on projects i i don't think it's a black and white thing you know to the extent that he was taking advantage you know and that would be the issue are you taking advantage of Tesla for the benefit of Twitter, which is a private business, et cetera? Now, obviously we haven't gotten there. It may be, you know, de minimis. It may be, you know, we're not, it may be just a few engineers. It may not be a whole amount of time. Um, 
We don't know, but it's an issue. And it's an issue whenever you use resources from one business and apply it to another business. Sorry, I'm muted. Yeah, yeah Jared, go ahead. I think you were going to say something. Yeah, I was just going to mention how, like, you know, you see a lot of negative sentiment from people who are um, focused on this Twitter deal um, and Elon running Twitter. And you just hope that, you know, that negative sentiment doesn't get shifted over towards Tesla in any way um, as Tesla tries to hit like mass adoption and stuff like that. So I guess my, my thing there is like, what if it's just a handful, right? What if it's just five or 10 folks? Because I think, you know, SpaceX and Tesla do that today. There is quite a bit of crossbreeding. So what if it's just kept to a very low amount over time and it's nothing? So, so for example, if if the cu customer or investor doesn't perceive any impact to Tesla's ability to execute, is it a non-issue? Or is it is the practice itself shouldn't be done? Like, how do you think about that? I, I think it, if it, like I said, if it's de minimis, if it's not like a material amount, then I don't think it's uh, Got it. no harm, no foul. But I wanted to throw in one quick thing about the Twitter deal that we've never discussed that I, I don't think I've ever heard anybody discuss. The reason why Elon had an interest in settling this dispute, as sure. opposed to being deposed, which he wasn't, as opposed to going to trial. He's being sued by another investor in Delaware, uh, claiming that his compensation package that he got, you know, whatever, $50 billion compensation package, uh, another investor is suing him in Delaware in front of that same judge. And that case is, is not is running behind the Twitter case. So he had a great interest in not going under oath in the deposition in the Twitter case and not being in front of this judge and maybe um, impeaching himself or not looking uh, credible in front of this judge when this the, the, the lawsuit by the shareholder might have a much bigger direct impact on him than this Twitter deal, because it's a lot of money. Uh, you know, if it was fraud, you'd get punitive damages. So I think he had a great incentive beyond closing the Twitter deal for not trying that case in front of this judge. Mm. That's an interesting take. I, sh I just pulled up the, um, the uh, report. This is from March 2nd. I'm trying to find, let me see if I can find anything that's uh, um, earlier, maybe June 12th. Uh, Twitter. No, this is just a Twitter deal. Yeah. Um, what, what, how did they end up in the same court? Was that by design or is that just how it plays out? I think cause, cause, uh, every, everybody was, uh, incorporated in Delaware. So Delaware would have, uh, jurisdiction. Okay. Interesting. Um, yeah, I think, I think the fact that they finally moved on from this sort of, uh, lawsuit saga, uh, is obviously that major overhang that all of us have been sort of looking at. But but looking at the uh, like the stock price, I don't know. Like, do, are you guys really convinced that there is some sort of correlation between the stock price and Twitter actually getting done? You know, so if I look at the if you look at what we're at, so this thing closed yesterday, right? Officially, the rumors came out on Monday. Uh, right, I think it was Monday around the, that time that, hey, well, they're finally reaching some sort of conclusive deal. That would have been the 24th, if I know my dates correctly. So I guess we do see quite a bit of a, of a rise from that point. But if I look at the rest of the markets, too, so if I pull up, say, uh, our uh, the NASDAQ, 
if I go back to Monday, I feel like we have a very similar sort of price movement, right? Maybe maybe Tesla's up a little bit more over um, versus the Nasdaq. I guess they're about the same. So yeah, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts around that. Do we really think that this Twitter deal being done is positive for the stock or do we feel like, you know, this is just sort of uh, hot air? I don't know. What do you think? Go for it, Yashu. Yeah, it was hot air. I mean, come on. Like Tesla, trailing six months, Tesla is down 23% in the trailing six months. I get it's an arbitrary point. We can adjust it and we can talk about that instead. But down 23%. You would expect a beta close-ish to two. NASDAQ should be down, I don't know, let's say uh, half of that. Well, NASDAQ's down more than half. NASDAQ's down 15%. So Tesla should be down in theory closer to 30% whereas it's only down 23-ish percent in the last six months. So I think it's it's a whole lot of nothing. But I think two, I, I think two things can be true here. One is that there was no effective trader overhang in the price action, let's say in the trailing six months. And then also simultaneously, it could be true that institutional investors did not like the general uncertainty of Elon selling or the deal not going through or whatever else. So I think both of those things are probably true. I know it's uh, people think they're mutually exclusive, but I, I think they could be true at the same time. Mm. The one thing that I would say about Gary's perspective is that he is in a unique position as an institutional investor who is bullish on Tesla. There's not very many people like him. And so while the Twitter overhang may bother him as an institutional investor, there's not many other institutional investors who that bothers who are also already bullish on Tesla. Um, and so I could definitely see the people that Gary has in mind when he's thinking about Wall Street's reaction to the Twitter overhang. Basically, you know, they're not positive on the stock, period. And Twitter overhang or no Twitter overhang, like now they the reason that they have to be not positive on Tesla is, oh, well, Elon's distracted. He's running Twitter like they're going to find a new reason. And so I don't see this catalyst psychologically maybe having as big of an effect on the market as Gary might think. Um, and I love his perspective on the whole situation, but just kind of as I've digested what he's had to say, that's that's the main question that I've come away with is, you know, are there really that many other PMs out there who the closing of the deal would actually have a significant positive effect on their outlook on the stock and then not just move on to the next woe to be concerned about? Mm. On that same uh, sort of thread, if I pull up Gary's um, uh, thing again here, so I'm I'm curious to see like what are those what are those threads right? What are those things that that could become a uh, sort of like the new overhang going into this quarter and the next? So if we just read this sort of catalyst um, list that Gary himself has created on his the the same person that sort of was talking about the Twitter overhang for those that are not familiar, um, Twitter. Catalyst, we have the overhang lifting in October. So theoretically, that has already happened. We got uh, EPS revisions for fourth quarter. So um, we have uh, basically earnings going up and uh, uh, analysts have to adjust their sort of outlook for the company accordingly. We got new gigafactories being announced theoretically here in the coming months. We got FSD beta wide release. We got the EV credit next uh, quarter, really in Q1. We got the $10 billion buyback being finalized probably sometime early Q1. We got Cybertruck launching mid-2023. We got the 30,000 EV launching in theoretically 2024. But there's sort of this list, this list of things that are coming down the pike that, you know, a lot of us have really talked about. 
But now that this Twitter thing is truly like lifted, the overhang, are we thinking maybe this is a more long term? Maybe it's not like an immediate thing. Maybe this is like a six month ordeal that now that you don't have this quote unquote overhang on the stock for six months, now this thing is anytime there's a positive catalyst, it's free to run. You know, maybe that's maybe that's the thought process. That is not necessarily a a over over the next couple of days. It's over the next few months. So, sort of similar to when Alexander posed the uh, thing around the investment grade, right? When investment grade was announced, the stock really didn't do much. But you're sort of setting the stage as a as a catalyst allower, right? So that now that you have that variable in play, then the stock can sort of move from there. What do you guys think about that? I don't know that the stock is going to change or run away anytime until the macro environment shifts, honestly, because I think we're still at a place where everybody's walking on pins and needles as investors as to what's going on in the macro, but then also being exposed to like tech and what's happening to some other tech giants of like Facebook, you know, Meta and Amazon over the past week or so, these two both of them getting smacked so hard after we know we're in a tough economy, I would say Tesla's going to fall into the same thing where investors aren't really going to put a bunch of weight into these tiny things that, you know, to us, it might seem tiny and stuff like that, that are going to be substantial over the next few years until we start to see that macro materialize and shift forward. Yeah. I, oh, I would, gosh, go ahead. oh yeah, go Hans, go ahead. No, go, ahead. No, go for it. Okay. I, I would agree more with you, Farzad, there if Tesla wasn't already outperforming the market. Um, if Tesla was in line with expectations versus the NASDAQ, I would say, okay, maybe Tesla could be outperforming if it wasn't for Twitter, but Tesla's already outperforming what it should trade at versus the nasdaq that is and by the way like that's a great point jared with that with the amazon um earnings last night and it getting absolutely shellacked facebook mm. um it goes to show you that despite tesla missing and everyone's calling it like the massive stress that's like the huge stress test really that tesla's been through in the last year year and a half call it like three years if you include covid I mean, Tesla still like we did not see the reaction, even with the Twitter overhang post earnings that many were many bears were leading towards uh, as a theory. Tesla was down six, seven, eight percent, let's say, uh, on the day following earnings. I forget what it was. Amazon was down 15 percent or whatever. Facebook was down like closer to 20 percent after hours. Like these companies are mega cap companies as well. The price action that we're seeing with those mega caps post earnings is just disgusting. It's I don't remember the last time you really see uh, the, you've seen that much of a market cap loss um, uh, for specifically Amazon even like I think that was record breaking. And so if, if you look at kind of Tesla's uh, earnings and what they're what they're projecting for and the Twitter overhang that everyone talks about, you would have probably seen one of those puke reaction post earnings. Okay, well, Elon's open to sell now that's 10, 10 Q's out. You didn't see that you you saw one red day and then the next day kind of reversed. So if that doesn't show you the the strength in Tesla, at least relatively speaking to some of these mega caps, uh, I don't know what it does. Yeah, so I just, I just Sorry, I just have to laugh because those who have been following the stock for long enough, just like in what world, you know, when we take a step back, is Tesla the non-volatile stock out of this list? Yeah. It's just very comical to think of. That's true. <laughs> Good. Yeah, and I think um, so. My very stupid internet guy, don't listen to this advice. Thought is that you know. I, it's probably going to take not just one, like these are all catalysts and it's not about any one of them. Like 
yes, as we see them, maybe they do help us to outperform a little bit and be a little bit more stable kind of on a one-by-one -one basis. But what's powerful potentially is the preponderance of all of them together in the next six months to a year. And that that's kind of building up that base of good news, good news, good news, good news, that, you know, it may take a while. We may not see the stock really move on any one of them in the short term, but then you get far enough down the road. And after you've had enough of them where the stock hasn't moved, then you get that bounce back and people are like, you know what, I'm just tired of, you know, basically any of the big tech advertising companies who are not Apple are going to continue to get shellacked by Apple, um, you know, for the foreseeable future. And that's going to be a tough pill for the market to swallow, for those companies to swallow. And, you know, I think Facebook particularly, but even to a certain extent, um, Google are they're going to struggle a little bit more than the market is used to based on Apple's changes to privacy policy. Um, and so there could be at some point, you know, and I, like I said, I don't expect it to be in the near future uh, that it might take a few months that finally we see Tesla's relative outperformance on a fundamentals basis get reflected in the stock. And then more people start to move in the growth sector over to higher allocations in Tesla. So, so uh, I obviously could be Gary Black, so I'm going to state that in that way. We're in a bear market rally in a down market. That's kind of what we are. That's what everybody would say. And so we could have ups, but ultimately until kind of the, the trend changes, we're in a down market. Uh, usually, and we thought we were in a recession, but the GDP numbers yesterday kind of uh, will change that that characterization. Um, and we know kind of generally six to nine months uh, before the recession, the market will bottom. So since we're not in a recession, we probably aren't necessarily at the bottom either. And we may dump, dump some more. Um, I'm annoyed that when Apple produces what I would say is very mediocre numbers with not great guidance. They go up 5% and Tesla still drops. I don't think their numbers were super, but they're the bank for the for everybody else. That's the, the place people dump their money for safety. I can't wait for the time when Tesla is the place where people dump their money for safety. And in, in as to the impact the overhang, underhang, hangover of Twitter, um, the way me, Gary Black, sees it is <laughs> there were a lot of uh, institutions, hedge funds that went long on Twitter and short on Tesla. And so I don't think they've they've uh, modified that yet. I don't think because what they're going to do is they're going to go long on Tesla and they're going to be out of Twitter. And this just happened. And they're not going to act before the deal is closed. So I still believe over the next months, we will see institutional money flowing back towards Tesla, and that'll be impacted on the price. But until the macro kind of settles down, we could have ups and downs, but it'll be tough to get a long-term trend up. Gary Black says. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Obviously, it's Gary Black. I had a, uh, a chart up. Uh, a little earlier, where we're talking about Tesla's performance in, in respects to other 
stocks and indices. So this is a year-to-date chart. Uh, Tesla, if you're not familiar with candlestick patterns, Tesla is a candlestick pattern, which is basically these like uh, green and red candle-looking things. But just think of it as a line. And this is sort of you know t- where Tesla's at today is right around here. The purple line is Amazon. The light blue line is the NASDAQ. And the red line is Facebook. So just to kind of put within context some of the things we we're talking about, how Tesla has been performing versus other um, uh, stocks and indices. Again, none of this is investment advice. My goodness. Like, look at us. You're going to take investment advice from these from like, people that look like us? Come on. But I think, I think it's very encouraging to see. So let, let me go ahead and add Apple, actually, because I'm curious to see now what... I've I've saw I looked at this like a few months ago. I haven't looked at it recently. So Apple Apple here clearly. So if we look at the year to date chart, uh, Apple has performed uh, significantly better than the rest of the peers I put up here. But then in comparison to say like a Facebook, Tesla year to date, even through this incredibly uh, beat up market, has significantly outperformed a company like like Facebook. It's kind of in line with the uh, call it the Nasdaq, a little bit less than the Nasdaq year to date and about in line with amazon and underperforming apple but if we go two years you know i'm curious to see what that looks like we got the candlestick look at that so actually this is if we go 2020 start of 2020 right there then you can see sort of tesla's performance versus its peers is like completely just bonkers it's sort of like this year to date this short term sort of time frame where uh tesla is starting to behave a little bit closer to call it an Amazon NASDAQ type sort of performance, whereas a company like Meta is just getting completely destroyed. I am surprised to see Apple has been performing quite a bit better. Actually, I shouldn't be surprised because like you said, the flight to safety is sort of that what Apple's known for. So um, well, I don't, don't know if you guys have any comments around this. Go ahead. Don't, like also don't forget with Apple um, that Apple buys back a significant uh, amount of shares uh, every single month. Uh, I think they had $24 billion of free cash flow or just cash flow last uh, or this quarter earnings report, and they bought back $25 billion worth of stock. Mm-hmm. So, uh, by the way, just do six months for a second because I think year to date is a little bit wonky with Tesla because of the first trading day of the year, Tesla gapped up like 10% or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what does that show us? So Tesla's so, down last six months, 23%, is that? Yeah, roughly 23%. Then we got uh, Amazon down 27%. You got the Nasdaq down eleven percent, mm-hmm. Apple flat, down yeah. basically flat, and then Meta is um, mm-hmm. down forty three percent. Yeah, so I was going to say twenty three percent drop in this market is not bad. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, especially I, I for a growth. Yeah, I wouldn't want to repeat it because eventually I might run out of money if twenty three percent down. But this has got to be like you know historically, really, this is a historically bad market. You know, yeah. 20 years from now, we're going to look back and realize how bad this market was. And if we're only down 20, 25 percent, that is a strong showing, in my opinion. I'm going to go ahead and add a couple more here. Uh, so one of the questions was, can you add Google and Netflix? And I'm more than happy to do so, just so we can do a comparison. So now we should have all Fang, right? We got uh, Amazon, Facebook, Apple, Alphabet, Netflix, right? That's Fang right there. I believe. Um, uh, why did I pick the same color? So who's this, Netflix? That's Netflix up 56% in the last six yeah. months. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I guess six Apple, months, yeah. Could arbitrary. Yeah. 
but no, you're right, um, anonymous. Uh, the 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 relative strength still. I mean, you talk about stress tests. Factories were shut down in Shanghai. Uh, uh, factory closures for upgrades. Um, record high interest rates. Um, you know, you talk about just everything in terms of force majeures our way in the last two or three years. And like Farzad showed in, in the long run, it's doing great. But of course, and even even year to date um, is is doing uh, pretty well. Yeah, it's right in line with the indices. That's what I kind of like if I put like these sort of other comparisons in play here. So I went back one year. So what's interesting is Netflix year to date. Um, what just happened here? I had it. Oh, six months. Netflix last six months, it's up yeah. 57%. But if I go year to date, it actually, it's actually down 50%. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. So it's, it's like it's. It's high was about 600 and it got hammered in two earnings back to back and got it basically cut in half or more than half. Yeah. Yeah. Fun fact five year chart. <laughs> you're, you're, you're like, fun fact your favorite stock can fall 50% an infinite amount of times. And it can mm. hit zero. <laughs> so, I mean, it is numbers, funny, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but no, but it two twenty six sitting on Tesla right now. We we look at. I mean, the the biggest thing is the next twelve months, right? And you talk about Farzad for a second. You talk about people talk, or I think Hans. I think you were just talking about how people are going to say Elon's distracted now with Twitter. And I saw some comments about about that in the chat as well. I think that's the funniest narrative. Like this guy that runs four or five different multi billion dollar companies. Uh, you know, is now going to be distracted with Twitter. I mean, maybe in the short term, you can make that argument that he's going to devote more resources to it. But I think that's a great thing to talk about in the short term because because I think that's what like kind of the next headline FUD piece is going to be everywhere is Elon devoting zero time to Tesla, SpaceX and focusing all on this like Twitter toy that he bought is kind of like the narrative that I think the media is going to shift on soon enough. What's the likelihood of that happening? Do you think that's quite likely? Does something have to happen for that to start becoming like to take hold? How do you think about that? The like the narrative, like yeah, the narrative. Oh, I I think I'm already seeing it in general with a lot of, <laughs> with a lot of Twitter queue. Um, but I I think it's I think if the stock doesn't perform well, I think it's going to be an easy like, hey, look, Tesla's down another 10, 15 percent since Elon's bought Twitter or whatever. Check it out. Of course, Elon's devoting no resources to his old companies. He's leaving everyone behind. He's you know sold stock when he had to at the peak. And, and now he's forgotten about like, I think these are going to be lazy, easy narratives to point out mm -hmm. that are going to happen in the next little bit. Yeah, I think that's a great observation, Yashu. If you just think back to the book, Thinking Fast and Slow, um, it's such a great book. And basically, for those who are not familiar with it, the way that our minds work is we have basically two information processing systems, one that operates extremely rapidly um, and it takes very little energy, and then one that operates slowly and it takes a lot of energy. And so the way that we operate is we, we try and make sense of things as quickly and with as little energy as possible. Um, and so a lot of times we won't think through something in a logical fashion because you know we don't have time for that like literally ain't nobody got time for that and so <clears throat> yeah that when we see these fud like you can almost predict what the fud pieces are going to be it's like what is the story that requires the fewest number of pieces that makes semi-coherent sense that you can tie everything together with that everyone is aware of and that's going to be what the FUD piece is because it appeals 
to that laziness in our brain. Like I want to make sense of this and I don't want to work to make sense of it. And so, oh, let's see. One, two, three. Okay, done. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Mm -hmm. I was going to say it's also the, you know, I agree very much with what Yashi said. It's the catch-all. So if there's no obvious explanation and, and it's a subjective conclusion, it's always that he doesn't have enough time. And the the best part about it for the person who's making the claim, it's not disprovable because it's all subjective. So, you know, you could always say that if he, if he would have spent more time, that wouldn't have happened. You could always say that, but there's no way of disproving it. So I certainly, and that, that was kind of my point as the difference between Apple and, and, and Tesla, Apple got a positive and, and everybody has a positive uh, feel about Apple and Tesla it we do but you know half the world doesn't so there is a negative uh, at least a you know a negative audience as much as there is a positive audience mm -hmm. yeah i think i think the interesting thing there is as soon as you see um okay it's, it's so funny you mentioned that because that's literally there's going to be a, a news uh, article that comes out you know like say oh um uh, store in Florida has really long wait times for service. And then literally it's going to be a uh, service center in Florida ruined because of Elon's lack of attention to Tesla. Right. I mean, it's so easy. It's so easy to turn this into a thing, but, but again, it's like, I agree. It's like a very, uh, it's a very lame, uh, like not very good attempt to try and put something on Tesla and the company. So um, w contrast that with the fact that, I kind of want to like, I think this sort of ties to the ad stuff and Yashu, that's one of the main reasons why we, we brought you on. So Yashu has a lot of experiences with ads, but sort of like in the, in the environment where Elon now in the next two, like two to three years, call it, is going to have this quote unquote cash cow with, with Tesla that's going to be generating an, a gigantic amount of cash, which should attract a lot of very quote unquote powerful entities towards his side because they know they can make money with him and then you have this twitter landscape where he's looking to innovate on the uh way that ads are being done it looks like so if i pull up um elon's quick message and i'm sure a lot of people in the chat have already seen this but in case you haven't i'll just uh, pull it up real quick i won't read through it fully but just so, so you're aware of what's going on here he sort of essentially created a statement from what i've seen this is really the first official statement that has come out of twitter theoretically as elon at the helm um and it was direct who was the first uh person that was or the group that was getting the attention was advertisers and all of it was based around hey you know we want to create this sort of platform where we want to make advertising as relevant as possible so wh what's the point i'm trying to make here now you're going to have two forces that elon has on his side that are going to be theoretically very very good to people that are willing to work with him from a monetary perspective and so when you have that happening in contrast with these fud pieces like how much weight are the fud pieces really going to have when this dude's making everybody a lot of money right so that that that's going to i think going to become the new dynamic for the next two years and i'm curious to see if the tone's going to shift out there in the media landscape because of how theoretically uh powerful that's going to be you know you're taking the guy who's one of the best engineers sort of problem solvers in the world really one could argue uh for for a really long time if not you know put him in the group of ever um 
now he's going to figure out how to solve advertising like that seems like a gigantic thing that would enable a lot of people to uh make a lot of money right so i don't know if you guys have any thoughts about that and then i also want to sort of start talking about ads and stuff like that too on twitter because that's one thing there what do you guys think about that is that am i am i nuts mm -hmm. you know do i think that am i being too optimistic that there's going to be a pretty giant shift because the people that drive narratives are the ones that like to make money and now you're going to have a force there that's going to make i think you're nuts okay mm -hmm. yeah i agree <laughs> yeah i think i mean it's it's not a foregone conclusion that this is a solvable problem. Um, it is Elon's superpower, though. Like, figuring out an economic forcing function to actually drive the entire market towards electrification, that was a huge lift. And he knew, I mean, if you go back and read uh, Tim Urban's Wait But Why articles, like, he laid out that this was Elon's plan all along. It's like, we can't figure, we can't transition the world to sustainable energy without creating an economic forcing function. And so the challenge is how do you actually align people's incentives monetarily to where they will do what is in the best interest of humanity? Um, I would love to see what is in the best interest of humanity actually being possible to align incentives that way. Um, you know, the current advertising model has done the exact opposite of that. It's driven polarization, clickbait, and basically a very high noise to signal ratio media landscape. Um, now that does create an opportunity for Elon that in, you know, basically, I don't think there's hardly anyone who will defend the current landscape of media as like this is the pinnacle of human achievement. We are living high on the hog with the way that Twitter is, CNN, NBC, Fox, um, and that's just here in the United States. You know, it, it's a mess everywhere. Um, so there is an opportunity. Now the question is, can he go three for three? Can he do SpaceX, Tesla, and transform Twitter? Hopefully the answer to that question is yes. Um, but like he said in the thing, Failure is a very real possibility here, and we don't have the proof positive that we can do something differently in advertising than we have done in the past. Um, and it's going to take a lot of innovation on the product side. You have to create a user experience that is so compelling and add so much value to every Twitter subscriber's life that they feel like it is a more than even trade for them to give away whatever data is necessary to create amazing advertising products. Um, and, you know, there's lots of opportunity there, but like I said, it's not a done deal. Um, it's not something that we should just immediately basically reason by analogy. Yes. He's done it in the past. Oh, he's going to do it again in the future you know, this is its own first principles problem that will require first principles solutions. And the answer in the future may not be the same as it's been in the past. And, you know, I certainly hope that it's true. I think if anyone can do it, he can. Um, and I'm super excited to watch what is their strategy? What are the specific things that they do to try and solve this problem? And I'm extremely hopeful because, like I said, we all know that the current system is broken and we need something different. Yeah, I really think. Okay. Sorry, um, I think this goes back to Twitter overhang, and I'm thinking more in my mind that Twitter overhang for me isn't done for the next three months. 
because you know i think with elon and you know new management coming into twitter they have this opportunity where for their customers as well as advertisers they can make they can re-engineer the products to be able to show the stark difference between elon twitter and the previous twitter and just like customers shopping for vehicles are going to notice how better better a tesla is versus a mercedes or you know a chevy or something like that there's a clear difference in one being significantly better than the other and the advertisers as well as users are going to see this difference and then it's going to be beneficial you know at the end of the first three months after financials are reported i could be i could be ross gerber so i will be ross gerber for now and uh i was involved in the twitter deal the the, the privatization of the deal and I had some of my clients involved too. And I, what I learned of the intention of what Elon's intention was, was one, the new Twitter company is called X, um, which I haven't, I didn't hear otherwise. The number one uh, goal in the new X company is to get rid of the bots and uh, all that nonsense. Um, two, that there'll be some kind of subscription model because Elon believes that advertising leads to the corruption of the content, uh, that it influences the content too much. And if you can have at least some subscription uh, services, then you won't be influenced that the content won't be regulated by the advertisers. And unfortunately, my brain is too small to remember point three. I like it. Well, if you, if you remember, just feel free to uh, interrupt me. Uh, I think there's a couple of things here. I think number one is I think it's easy to um, confound the problems of traditional media with buying, um, buying essentially the narrative off of, let's say, TV ads or something and then driving narratives through websites or whatever. And with the new age media that we talk about with Facebook Instagram advertising, TikTok advertising, Google advertising. These platforms don't really run that way mostly. I mean, yes, they'll have we'll have bigger advertisers on the space that can dictate and have censorship uh poll, but for the most part with Elon, I don't think he's thinking this myopic. I mean, we're talking about little like like what's the big problem here? With SpaceX is a clear mission, right? Uh, interplanetary humanity uh, with Tesla is a bit there's a big mission accelerate sustainable energy uh, and transportation it's like what is the big mission here it's I think it's free speech so in, in that respect I get that we're talking about advertising and I want to talk about advertising and I have a lot of points here written to talk about advertising but with subscription that would make more sense right uh, anonymous because if you have a subscription then all of a sudden you're not beholden to advertisers. You can do whatever whatever the heck you want as long as consumers want to pay. But I don't think consumers want to pay for Twitter. And, and chat, let me know if I'm wrong or if I'm right. Like if you had to start paying five or 10 bucks a month for Twitter, I, I would bet the user pool would shrink dramatically. I, I would say the vast majority of people on Twitter today would not want to pay for 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 using Twitter. So the question is, who's going to pay? Who's going to pay? At the end of the day, someone has to pay for these real costs that you have as a real company. So, um, and, and, and also, you know, you know, we talk about the problem of, of, of advertising today. I think it's important to realize, like, as a consumer, it's very different, the problem that we talk about versus as a vendor, or as an advertiser that I would talk about, let's say, 
uh, as it currently stands, advertising is a pretty awesome space to be in online. Facebook ads suck. Instagram ads are okay. TikTok ads are killing it. Google ads do really well. Like as an advertiser, it's 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 a blue ocean um, right now. As an advertiser, there like ROI is incredible on 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 TikTok and Google ads. Like these platforms have massive ROI. So if we talk about oh, there's a problem today in advertising, and consumers don't want to be clickbaited or this. As an advertiser, you could really be hard nosed about this and say, I don't care. I'm getting a positive ROI. I'm happy. Like there's no problem here on my end. I'm happy to continue to pay to 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 continue to pay for this sort of stuff. So it makes it hard to measure a little bit what the end goal should be. If it's just an ROI positive platform, because at a first principles level, you can make the argument the best product wins. You talk about, oh, Elon can make this amazing platform that's super, uh, that has great UI, great UX. As a consumer, I love it. But at the end of the day, as an advertiser, if there's no ROI at, on a platform, I'm not going there and I'm telling everyone to step step away. Case in point with Reddit. Reddit's a, a, as a garbage advertising platform in the media buying space. No one looks at Reddit and goes, oh, great, let's spend millions of dollars on Reddit. But as a Reddit user, I love Reddit, right? So it's like on one level, you look at the platform, you're like, oh, Reddit's a great platform for consumers. I love it. On the advertising side, it's it's it. There's no ROI there, really, and and no one talks about Reddit as a, as an advertising platform. So it's like, how do you marry those two? Google is one of those few examples where Google search is essentially a monopoly, and it's the best search out there. Uh, whatever i'm sure DuckDuckGo uh users will will come at me in the chat but it's the best platform out there and it's like 70 percent of google's revenue right so it's like how do you marry these two ideas together is like the hard part of this i think what if you pay people for their attention well that is advertising unless you're referring to something else no like like actually paying them so like oh right. uh you know like so there was a there was somebody because that's kind of where my head and you make such good points you make such good points. Hans, go ahead and sort of speak your mind here. Well, yeah, that's, <clears throat> I remember when I first saw the social dilemma, that was one of my immediate takeaways is that part of, you know, one potential solution is for someone to create a decentralized platform where instead of the third party intermediate being the only one who is raking in the money by connecting the advertiser and the advertised, that the advertiser would actually pay the advertisee directly at least a portion of that um and that that would create a little bit more competition a little bit more of uh, a true marketplace that you could see some of this stuff get mitigated in that way um so you know there is potential there um uh, but then we also have to remember that paying for twitter it's not a binary thing it's not yes i'm going to pay for twitter no i'm not going to pay for twitter there's a continuum you know youtube has youtube premium and then they have just youtube and so some stuff can be locked behind a paywall some stuff may not be or there could be specific functions you know maybe my i'm not willing to pay for the right to speak freely on your platform but maybe i am willing to pay for some other service that potentially i pay for somewhere else and then twitter just does it better and so there's a lot of things that can be done here to create revenue. Um, and there's a lot more gray area and room to play for Elon and the Twitter team than you know we've seen from a lot of the current players. Yeah, the the thing that really piques my interest about so sort of marrying the two things is like 
I think I think paying paying the view the paying the consumer on the platform is such a different idea, but it seems like the right one because as a user, like how do you incentivize? It's like you're almost hitting so many different. Uh, you're killing so many birds with stones, and I shouldn't be killing birds, but that's what we're gonna do with this thing, okay? With this metaphor, the 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 function of saying, okay, we're gonna give you hyper targeted ads. And what we're going to do, ask you to do, is to allow us to ingest as much data as humanly possible that you have on your phone, on your digital self, on your avatar. And in exchange for, for that data, we're going to give you a slice. Like literally, we're going to pay you for that data. And you're going to get a hyper-targeted um experience but the only way we can verify that you're a real person is if we get you verified and that sort of becomes the way for twitter to kill the bots because now you're having an incentive for people to get verified and you offer them such an incredible experience that they're going to get paid for in exchange for these advertisers to be able to really target uh their stuff to them now that opens up a host of different uh things but like i feel like that's the sort of solution that's required to really kill the bots by literally ensuring everybody's real by putting them through a very rigorous program and then once they're verified as real you can start paying them for the data so you can create very hyper targeted ads for that person and if you don't want to do that don't that's fine just have like you said hans like have the the ad free experience pay 10 bucks a month whatever mm -hmm. you know like you have these different sort of experiences on the platform and then like imagine you know if if twitter has what 230 million users let's call a hundred of million of them actually active that's probably being generous 30 million we'll call 30 million active users right if five percent of those people if it's so one percent is what three hundred thousand uh 1.5 million people are willing to give uh the date like basically all their data to uh advertisers to craft their hyper targeted ads and they pay them for those people i bet you they can use that same data for the entire user base because the amount of intelligence you're going to get from that data is going to be mind-blowing so whatever investment you're putting into the person to pay for their ad you're going to get back and then some you know um i don't know what do you guys think about that yeah a lot of this ties in with the dream of crypto or web3 like as a person who who owns your data? Like, are you sovereign over the data that you create? And that's one of the, you know, big driving questions behind a lot of projects. Um, now execution may be lacking and, you know, the structure may not be there yet, but, you know, there's definitely a, an open playing field an opportunity here for Twitter to be kind of a Twitter or a web 2.5 solution to a lot of those type problems where, they can basically take the stance that, hey, Twitter user, we actually believe philosophically that you own your data. And so we're going to give you a dashboard where you can say who gets to have what parts of your data, who doesn't, who gets to see what, how do they get to interact with it. And then you can receive services or financial, comp like, you know, you could receive a whole number of things. You could be compensated just in the value of the content that you receive. You can be compensated monetarily. You could be compensated, um, you know, by as far as the ads are actually concerned, something that you didn't know that existed in the world that you really, really needed. And you didn't know where it was. You knew you needed something. You didn't know where it was. 
but Twitter knew where it was and they were able to provide that to you because they were able to read your needs. You know, that is also valuable. Um, and so that's, you know, we don't have a, an existing incumbent player who has this philosophical stance. A lot of tech companies have founding teams that had a high value on free speech that over time that's kind of been eroded. Um, and so, you know, I don't know, I'm hopeful that Elon can take that stance, not only on free speech, but also on digital sovereignty and create a winning product there. Um, but it does seem like there's a lot of market forces that erode that value over time. And maybe it's just the fact that no one has had the backbone to stand up and say, you know what? Nope. Like this is actually, this isn't just an important value. Like this is the value and I'm willing to make yes, no decisions. Are you allowed to do this on my platform based on it? And so, no, I'm going to stand up and tell this company or whoever, no, you cannot make that censorship type decision here. Anonymous likes to speculate. So I'll speculate. I've always felt that, um, that somehow square and Twitter, we're going to end up in some kind of partnership and uh, maybe related to the use of the blockchain technology, maybe related to, you know, crypto or somehow, but that would be another way of, uh, for Twitter to generate income and would make the issue of ad revenue, et cetera, less important. So I'm thinking, you know, like we've heard about it being a, um, a multifaceted, you know, we've heard talk about the multifaceted app. Well, maybe there's if so much income can be generated on all these side, you know, side businesses, the advertisement and the money generated from just the, the commentary is unnecessary. I, I, I'm going to sound like an old man here, but like, look, I love Web3. I love crypto. I love the blockchain. I love everything about it. Been in it since 2017. I just don't think this is the platform and I don't, and I think if we think that consumers are all of a sudden going to be willing to share more info with a platform in the name of free speech, I think we might be a little bit too excitable there. Consumers today hate the fact that they can that they have to share data. Just look at iOS 14 and what how that pretty much killed Facebook. Um, and all of a sudden, if you're and by the way, on Google, you can already do a lot of the stuff that you're talking about. If you don't want to share data, you can turn it off. By the way, I encourage everyone go on your Google. There's like a I think Google just Google my account or something, my account data. And there's a list of all the app, uh, all the attributes that Google has on you based on your Gmail, based on your calendar, based on your walking, based on your driving, based on what Google reviews you left, where, what places you visited. It knows like a newly engaged or, you know, restaurant frequenter or that like they have all of these data points on you. And that's because they own these properties that you love to use. You, they, you know, obviously they own Google Maps, Google search, YouTube, Gmail, calendar. They, they own all this. This is how they have the data on you. And remember, the data in and of itself is not valuable. It's the machine learning and the AI specifically that Google has. And, and, and I know it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a box in a lot of Tesla people here. It's the AI and the black box that they don't show you behind the advertising platform that makes Google a killer today in the advertising space. They just launched this new um, machine learning AI campaign type called Performance Max. It's essentially taking all the inventory that exists on Google's platforms today, display, video, search, 
and taking all of the lower end aspects that advertisers like for example display i hate display campaigns for the most part they're garbage it's just a waste of my money taking that and trying to make use of it by creating a campaign that doesn't let you exclude it doesn't let you choose where where you want to play stuff it just tells you tell give me all the assets of your business any videos you have any products you have um any phone numbers you have give me all of that info don't even target anyone okay don't even tell me you want to target men or women under 45 like don't tell me any of that leave that to me and we're going to run a black box scenario off of this. And you essentially run this campaign. It's like you have no idea what's happening on the back end. And then you can have performance metrics on top of it. So the reason and the reason why I say that is because the black box is what makes Google special. You can argue that's quite shady. But at the end of the day, like this is why platform, uh, this is why advertising platforms work in perpetuity. You, I mean, you can fool advertisers for six months, but if there's no ROI, they're going to leave. And so the question is, how does Tesla, or pardon me, Freudian slip, how does Elon create a platform where not only people want to give up their data, but people continually use it in an ecosystem like Google that continues to gather more data and consumers are excited for it. And the problem that I have with incentivizing users all of a sudden saying, hey, you're going to make five cents for every X amount of data that you share with us is that all of a sudden now you're incentivizing them to look at ads that they have no business looking at for the sake of getting paid. And as an advertiser, that just sounds like a subsidy for a crappy product. Why should I have to pay as an advertiser consumers to see my ads on a platform that I give no shits about? So it's about at the end of the day, how do you do that? And it kind of sounds like FSD per mile. A lot of people like, like a lot of people throw out, oh, if Tesla should charge FSD per mile. I think that's a stupid idea. Why would you want to disincentivize people from using FSD as much as possible? All you do by charging per mile is now all of a sudden you make it where people are like, oh, I don't know if I want to go more than 25 miles per day. Or, you know, so you have to be very careful with the incentives that you create and how open and honest you can be because at the end of the day, ROI is what drives it on the vendor side. And that's really all that matters because consumers can have all these opinions, but let's face it, people hate sharing data, but they're still using Google today. Excellent points. Thank you for that. I think people in the chat also are very. That was, dude, Yashu, you're on fucking fire, bro. You're so good. Seriously. So I, um, I have some questions related to that. If if you're about to move on to that, if not, go ahead. No, yeah. I so I had a question, but go ahead, go for it. Okay. So my question for Yashu is really, and I've been thinking about this since yesterday in part of our discussion, but is so where do you see the opportunity in creating the platform as far as you know if, for elon to get to the point that he's talked about wanting to get to where they are the most respected advertising platform and you have really high signal to noise ratio in the ads that are delivered to you is it mostly accomplished by basically curating the ads and just really heavily upranking things that create conversions and downranking things that people don't engage with? Or is that also involving really helping advertisers to create more effective ads? Um, Because I mean, you could imagine a scenario where really what should be most effective is people who have created the best products and now your ad is just a way to get the products in front of the people. And then there's a whole other camp of people where they're creating a mediocre product and they need advertising a lot in order to convince someone to buy it. And then they buy it as meh. Um, 
<clears throat> and so how do you as the platform basically create the highest signal to noise both for the advertiser uh, but also for the consumer and then before you do that yasha if you don't mind just maybe offer a little bit of background as, as to why your your insight would be good here yeah i saw I, I i'm a media buyer i've been a media buyer for for many years i've helped people at business owners mostly run advertising for a long time um whether it's directly or indirectly and, and the best pl advertising platforms usually have the best data on the on the users so if i can target people that are for example like in market audiences on google is like a is like is like a prime example of this it's specifically you can select in market audience for people that are looking to buy a car in the next 60 days 90 days like google knows when you're ready to buy a car in the next couple of months and you can target specifically those folks so if you have like a mortgage or if you have like a loan company hey are you looking to buy a car in the next two months you should check out our loan company and this is why okay well you caught them at, at the right time so it's the data really that makes it the best but on the other, on the flip side of that is really, why does YouTube, like, why does Google work? Because it has the best product. It has the best content creators. And Elon's kind of hinted at this a little bit, is if you can get the best content creators on your platform, case in point, Farzad's channel here, why is it on YouTube? It's the best platform out there, right? And so if you can get the best content creators on your platform, you're incentivizing consumers to use your platform. And if you're incentivizing more consumers to use your platform, the more they'll want to use it, the more they'll want to use it, the more data that you'll get on it. It's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy there to an extent with data. So the question is, first, how do you attract more, more people to use your product more often, number one? And then the, and then the, I think the second part of that is kind of, how do you, and, and if that's the case, then the ROI will come because why does TikTok work despite it being such a new green platform? Because everyone uses TikTok and TikTok has, by the way, you should not be on TikTok. I, I deleted it off my phone months and months ago. Don't like the, the amount of info that they collect is just scary. Okay. Um, I, I just won't say more than that because uh, someone's going to come after me with TikTok. It's like a cult out there with TikTok, but at the end of the day, the best platforms win because they have the best content out there. Um, and then when we talk about, and, and Nick brings up a great point in the chat here, and I've been thinking about this a lot with the news wiring service. Why do we have Bloomberg wiring services in 2022? Why, why is that a thing where institutional investors get this edge on, uh, on, on us because they pay 5K a month for this platform to give them all this news on you know milliseconds before it comes on Twitter? Why not bring those type of wire services on Twitter that you can subscribe to via Twitter for 20, 30, 50, $100 a month as an option for Bloomberg for the re for the regular retail investor or trader that is probably more than happy to pay for that sort of stuff and bring it off of like a native platform like a software on your computer and bring it onto onto uh, uh, onto Twitter and promise like lightning fast speed for delivery to your phone with notifications like th th I think we should focus more on the enterprise level of this news companies that want to Im that embed screenshots or actually embed links of Twitter posts on their Reuters article on their Bloomberg articles. Why not charge them? And I think Elon's hinted at this. Like those are, I think the enterprise level solutions are low hanging fruit because these companies know that Twitter is the place to be for news. So I think there's a lot of ways that you can monetize outside of just consumers. And I'll, I'll let someone else talk here. I'm rambling too much. That's very interesting there. Uh, Jared, did you have any takes? I know you got to jump out here, but did you uh, want to offer something? No, I mean, just my general sentiment is like, you know, the product is just going to be so radically different um, when we look back a year from now, I think, you know, it just 
if we were to like make an analogy with Tesla, um, you know, if Elon made a bunch of money and acquired GM in 2008, like obviously the world would be very different. Um, I think something like that might happen with Twitter. So really optimistic and looking forward to that future. But I appreciate all the points, Yashu. Yeah, it's it's great insight. It really is. Um, anybody else have any any thoughts on what Yashu just uh, just shared with us? Thanks, Jared. Thank you, brother. Um, so if, like for me, it's like the world of advertising just seems like such an old thing, you know, and it's, you sort of like alluded to this, Yashua, when you said I might sound like an old man. I think, you know, everything you make makes perfect, say you make so much good sense, but given with the existing framework of where we are today with advertising, like the, the thing and sort of Jared alluded to this a little bit is like, are we so sure that this is going to be the sort of dynamic that's going to continue with Twitter? Is it an unbreakable dynamic? Is it as real as, is it, is it as true as humans will always need oxygen? You know, humans will always have to drink water. Humans yes. will always have to sleep. So that's, yes. that's sort of where you're coming from. Yeah, for sure. I look, people, people will always buy things and people will always sell things. And there always will be a broker in between back in the days. It was, you know, merchants walking the streets today, it's on the internet. And for that, you need platforms. Isn't there, isn't there a less need for advertising though, because the Tesla model for, you know, is direct sale, right? There's so if, if everything becomes more direct sale, less intermediary, less broker, isn't there less of a requirement to have advertising dollars spent? Uh, Tesla is very much an exception with not advertising like this never almost never happens uh, and also direct to consumer companies are one of the biggest media buyers out there like look at mattress companies that are direct to consumer today one of the biggest uh, uh, advertisers on any platform today so I think direct consumer all that really does is get rid of wholesalers and distributors and retailers in brick and mortar but that if anything it accelerates more advertising online I think. Well, and you've seen a lot of those mattress stores even go back towards more traditional business models because their direct-to-consumer models basically broke as soon as the cost of customer acquisition started rising as the advertising platform started to charge higher fees. Um, and so, yeah, I think that Yashu's right on that. For you, it, The only way that direct-to-consumer really works is if you have just got an incredibly incredibly compelling product and so if your product is not incredibly compelling your ability to get organic customer acquisition cost basically goes to zero got it, elon oh, I, was, I, I was saying as i uh, yashi you, you must be looking into my house because i bought at least two mattresses that way direct to consumer you're snooping <laughs> He's got all I your data. You, I, I got it's all like, your data. <laughs> data. <laughs> exactly. So, so what is one of the? So you kind of talked about one of the innovations in ad targeting. It would be more towards the. And again, I'm not familiar with this world, so this I'm depending on you, Yasha, to sort of uh, hold my hand through this. But one of the innovations is instead of targeting the consumer, you target the business. So you target sort of the 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 example you used was a news site. Uh, publishing Twitter uh, tweets and Twitter gets compensated because of why? I'm trying to understand that dynamic better. So, okay. So 
I think we're talking about uh, like, for example, Bloomberg, right? Bloomberg has a terminal. Sure. Pay, uh, you know, let me reframe it. I'm trying okay. to figure out how does knowing that Elon innovates everything he touches, what is one of the biggest innovation spaces in advertising that's not being done today that Twitter can now do? I mean, I, I honestly, I don't know. I, I would say machine learning AI with with Google is like the, the frontier of advertising today and what Google does really awesome. I don't see what advantage Twitter has. Twitter doesn't have great user data. It has a bunch of memes from random people that don't want to share any info on them. So like as an as Me. like a vent. Yeah, yeah. And so I don't know. Like I would say it's machine learning and AI, but I, I don't think Twitter has any advantage to that. Tesla may have an advantage to that with their their dojo and their platform there, but I'm not sure. So do you guys recall when uh, there were some rumors about Tesla and Google partnerships? What if it really was an Elon and Google partnership, but it was a Twitter and Google partnership and not a Tesla and Google partnership? You know, maybe like there there's some truth to that rumor, but it's it was misplaced because it's really a it was really a Twitter play. Maybe that's why they're talking. Is that like how how do you get those two to play together? You know, like what? I was going to say that might be you know where we started the conversation about using uh, Tesla resources for uh, non-Tesla purposes. It would be interesting if there was a technology that Google had and Elon elected to use it on Twitter as opposed to Tesla. That would be an interesting position. That that would create that kind of conflict. Yeah, I mean, it could be very easy. Like you can you can monetize with Google Ads today very easy. Like you can just become an AdSense uh, publisher via Google today, and you can start. You can embed ads on your blog, on your micro blog, whatever it is, your site, and a bunch of blogs already do it. I'd imagine, of course, if if Twitter was going to do it, there'd be more of an integration process there. Um, Actually, I don't think that's a terrible idea. If if uh, if Google ads all of a sudden, or, or if Twitter inventory opened up for Google advertisers, I think that's a great partnership to have because Google is on the frontier of advertising um, and it would make a lot of sense. I don't think it's Elon's way because it's not first principles thinking enough. Maybe it'd just be too much of a third party slap on a solution and maybe he doesn't like that. But I would be very much on board with that, uh, to be honest. Do you think that, um opening up twitter to actually be indexable by google would be something that they'd be interested enough in to create a partnership like that like seo wise like if i search for something tweets start showing up on yeah google. <clears throat> yeah like you can't really it's you can't really search twitter at all using google you have to use their inbuilt mm -hmm. tool which yeah. is not good and twitter search is not good yeah twitter FYI. search is great. yeah no, I, I agree. Uh, I think they're all known. Uh, I think they're all no follow um, rel links uh, at the moment. I don't know. I think I think the problem with that is like how many like random crap tweets that you see have keywords in them that like very much so like should not be showing up on Google. Like someone's like random opinion about like Nancy Pelosi showing up for like, you know, the top search of like someone searching for her net worth or something like it just it gets a little bit messy with people's opinions. Um, so, but I, I guess that's what a new site is after all, it's someone's opinion, so. When you were, Yashu, when you were talking about like the Bloomberg terminal, isn't it ultimately that somebody's benefiting, some insider is benefiting from that and ultimately paying somebody to protect that position? Uh, you know, mm -hmm. up until recently, obviously, and I don't know the, you know, what 
the practicalities are, but there's an issue in Congress, the United States about buying stock, et cetera. So, you know, I, I, I would think that it's possible that one of these, you know, Bloomberg has a relationship with some senator and they provide in information and the senator protects them from being, you know, attacked. And uh, because I've always thought as a general rule that all those things are insider. That, that To me, it seems like it's all inside information because there's a class of people that have access to information that the rest of the public does not. And that's certainly an advantage and it should not be permitted. Anonymous first. Yeah, I think there's a general degree of truth there. I think the thing with the Bloomberg wire is the speed of access to information, not so much the information itself. Like when when information is about to hit, Bloomberg from whatever methods and when sources that they have are like the first to report it. And then there's a delay between the intermediaries actually posting on public sites and articles and stuff like that. So it's like if you're an institutional trader or investor and you need like the fastest access to information, you don't care paying five dollars, uh, you know, five thousand dollars a month. $10,000, $20,000 a month for these wire services, because those couple of milliseconds get, give you a slight edge on the market. So, but I, I think a lot of that sort of stuff, because I mean, all of us kind of use Twitter to that degree already today, even people in the chat listening, if they have Twitter, what's the reason you're on Twitter? It's a, maybe 10, 20, 30% of that reason is because you want to be the first to know about information as it breaks. Twitter has been, and will continue to be one of the best news sources out there in real time. You can't beat it with CTV, CBC, BBC, like these sites suck for speed. The reason why we love Twitter, right, is because how fast we get information is so discernible to us. So I think if Twitter, actually, if Elon folk doubles down on that aspect and like you, you'll get like institutional level access to all the types of information that you want at a fraction of the price it costs institutions and you could partner with like third parties there for that sort of stuff i think that could be an easy way that you can have like inbuilt subscriptions and i think subscription is the way to go well uh, you know when we talk about software if you can have some sort of subscription based user base i mean that would be massive for the valuation that's such an interesting take is like democratizing the access that institutions have to the people so they can just be as powerful and that feels like that feels like it's on on like on point with elon's sort of overall mission is like just have everybody be as powerful as possible that's what, kind of what free speech intends to do you know that's what um sort of the other things that he's talked about try to do i mean theoretically having a tesla with solar batteries and and uh with solar and batteries theoretically takes you completely off the grid and you can kind of do your own thing with starlink especially so you're kind of become your own so it's like a lot of like thematics around that like just make the individual as powerful as possible that makes sense i'm just curious to see how how they would execute against that you know i don't think the engineering and solution aspect of it is going to be the bottleneck it's going to be the uh how useful is the product or service but you know, they have a track record of showing that they can make very useful, like super useful products and services. Sorry, my dogs are insane. I think they like your idea. I, I think, think they if, do. They're green. Yeah, like, like, look, I think there's a lot good with Twitter here. We all love Twitter. I think we're all on it too much. Uh, and I see Nick here posting comments around micro fees for tweets. I just think... I, 
I think again, you get into this problem where you're decentivizing people to tweet now. Like, if think of your Twitter account, would you want to tweet more or less if you had to pay for it? If, you, if the answer is less, then you then it's probably not in the spirit of the platform. So that's the problem I have with monetizing that way. Um, but you know, I th I think look at the end of the day, it can't get worse. Twitter is one of the worst. Pla advertising platforms out there. I think I spent like 50 bucks on Twitter advertising one time and I, I probably just, it took like two minutes to spend. Like the problem with these platforms is not only do they give you zero ROI, they spend your money within like 10 minutes. Pinterest is the same way. Like the good advertising platforms like Google, if you set a budget of 500 bucks a day on advertising, they will spend the first 20, 10 or 20 bucks very slowly to get a gauge of what type of consumer is, is actually engaging with your ad. And then with machine learning, get better as it continues to spend your budget. The problem with these platforms is like, and you pretty much know it within the hour, whatever budget you set through, it's just going to blow through because it looks at it kind of like an open credit card. So Twitter advertising suck today. Um, Twitter advertisers today probably see very little ROI, if, if any. So it can't get worse than it is today. That's at least the good news for Twitter. Very interesting stuff. Yeah, this uh, conversation is going to be one that I want to continue having for the foreseeable future because I think it really opens up the realm. Like my ideal sort of end game for this whole thing, um, obviously the free speech aspect is huge, but I think Twitter can also become a, a place for entrepreneurs that have products and services that are extremely valuable now have not just an affordable way of marketing themselves, but they also have an extremely effective way of marketing themselves. Whereas I think, and, and something that's not a black box necessarily, like for example, if I wanted to go on, you know, when we had a small business, even with this merch stuff, so I started a merch line, I'll plug it at the end of the video, I promise everybody. Um, uh, you know, I'm trying to kind of make it into its own thing, into a life of its own. And I'm and I'm utilizing sort of the experience I gained from having a small business back in the day. We had an escape room and I had to figure out how to use Google ads, you know, AdSense, Facebook ads, all that stuff to like make, hey, like we're here. <laughs> we're paying, you know, 20,000 bucks a month to keep this thing going. Like I need you here, <laughs> you yeah. know? So you you invest in that in that marketing, but but it was a huge learning curve and it was kind of like, okay, I have to learn about keywords. I have to learn about how SEO works. I have to learn about what kind of audience I'm trying to target. You know, what if Twitter can now become this sort of place where the entrepreneur, the 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 one, the person that's offering a service or a product now has not just uh, the learning curve for that becomes much less than, but because of the tool sets that Elon and Tim are able to create, and and uh, and the power behind that sort of hyper targeted experience where the ad now becomes the content per se, then you have this boom in like entrepreneurs that that before maybe they had a really tough time marketing themselves, now they sort of gets unlocked because of that innovation and 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 ads. So that's kind of where my head goes in the next like two to five years. Like, could we see? You know, however that's done, if it's how you describe it, Yashu, which is most likely to be the case, because you obviously know what you're talking about here. If it's some other method, you know, so be it. But what is the real thing that gets unlocked here is the individual. The individual now has additional power to be able to reach the status of an institution that would have these insane marketing budgets. You know, now it's a little bit more proportional. It's not dominated by a few companies. Now everybody has the same level of power. I don't know. Do you think that's mutually exclusive um, with promoting Tesla on Twitter? Everything that you've said about you know the individual's rights, et cetera. If do you think that's in, con in you know contradicts uh, with a private company 
promoting the interests of Tesla, which all of us, of course, would like that to occur. But I don't know what you guys think about that. That's interesting. So you're saying like what like dynamic between that and then Elon can just flip a switch and now Twitter becomes uh, Tesla's marketing arm. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Yes. Okay. Um, we'll see. <laughs> you know, I think I think if if they come out and they start um, doing that and and it becomes a a legitimate like if there are ads for Teslas on Twitter, then I'm gonna be like, okay, this kind of like I'm curious how 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 do i play within this realm like am i being drowned out by this thing but if it's just people creating content without necessarily leveraging the advertising aspect of it and it's just creating content around tesla okay it's just really popular right it's just it is what it is so i think it's it, it depends on how it gets executed i don't know if anybody has a, has any thoughts but that's sort of how i think about it yeah i would echo that i think elon just needs to be really careful about how that would play out because uh, it's going to have very sensitive optics. It's an interesting, it's a very interesting point you're making. Because it's again, it goes like, it's no different than when he said, I'm not going to sell any Tesla stock. And then this whole last two months, we're like, oh, shit, is he going like, to go back on his word? Like, is there going to be some tr trust erosion there? Um, yeah. Yasha, not, not sure if you had any thoughts there. What? With advertising and, and Tesla specifically, I think it's um, the best advert. Like Tesla... The reason why Tesla doesn't need advertising is because, I mean, they got lucky with the way that they have their product. It's so easy to share a car. Everyone wants to do a review. Everyone wants to make little clips about it's just a shareable product and it's it's world class. It's not the case, though, with 99.99% of businesses out there. They need to spend money to get average. Uh, and, and there's like this notion I want to dispel even with like the average consumer out there that like advertising is just like this deceptive way to get people to buy stuff that they otherwise wouldn't buy. And maybe that's there's a facet of truth to that. But folks, advertising, the reason why advertising works, and I love advertising, not because I'm an advertiser, but but because it allows me to open up my pool of products and services that I might not have thought about. And sometimes I'll buy stuff off of ads that I'll be like, thank God this was delivered to me because it's like the perfect solution for what I was looking for, for my business at this time or for my you know bike at this time. Like there'll be products and services out there like, oh, this is like the perfect fit. How they got that information, I don't know, but it's perfect. And so I think there's there's like this notion of like, oh, ads equals bad all the time. And I think it doesn't have to be that case. Good advertising platforms will have positive ROI and they'll generally be happy. I mean, when's the last time you did a Google search? Yeah, you probably like, or actually this is a better example. There's so many spam ads on YouTube with like Elon on stage nowadays with like him. It's like basically like a deep fake of Elon giving a speech about like this Bitcoin opportunity right yeah. like that sort of stuff yeah. needs to be filtered out in a better way yeah. but there's also probably very little chance that that's roi positive either right so good ads will be roi positive for the most part and yes you'll need twitter is kind of a gong show already like i'm not sure if you guys know like there's there's like dark ends of twitter that you can go on like every now and then like you'll click on something and it'll be like holy crap how is this allowed on this platform yeah and so there's some cleaning up to be done there as well, because brand safety is a big part of, especially like the big advertisers, Disney, like, you know, these companies, they will specifically on Google's platform have sections where they can select brand safety protocols. So if you don't want your brand to ever show up at anything related to profanity, nudity, nothing like that, you have a strict measure to control that. 
And mm-hmm. I think Twitter needs to implement stuff like that before it's going to attract kind of these really big advertisers, I think. Yeah. Great points. It's going to be fascinating to watch. It's going to be really fascinating to watch how this whole thing plays out. I'm, I'm very, very interested. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, hit the super chat here, and then we'll move on to the last topic. Um, thank you, Yashu. Dude, Yashu, you, have you thought about starting a, a, a channel that's around this topic, like a YouTube channel? I think you would give a lot of value. Uh, around advertising? I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I, I love advertising. Maybe I love on Twitter. About it. Yeah, I mean, Twitter, I don't think is the best platform for media buyers. But yeah, Not no, now. I love if anyone loves talking about advertising, feel free to DM me and uh, or if anyone you know, wants to talk about ads at all, I, I, I'm always down to talk about ads. Yeah, can, I ask, you up. can I ask a question before we move on? Yes, um, please. Uh, demand and demand is now exceeds supply. So advertising is really not important. But we're and then, you know, I'm speculating. We're headed into recession, so demand probably will decline because it'll decline probably for everything. And there may be come a time where uh, supply exceeds demand. So do you think that Tesla would not advertise even when um, supply exceeded demand? So are, are you asking that if, like, will Tesla need to advertise at some point? Like, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think they, would they be open to that, or are they just not open to advertising? Period. I think Elon has made the statement before where I don't think he's anti-ad, but he wants to make it into like art. I th- if I remember correctly, it's like like it needs to be like great advertising, and it needs to be like super super cool, and it like it inspires you to buy the product or be part of the service. That's what I heard. So I don't think he's I don't think they're anti-ad. It's just like they don't need to advertise because. It's just not like they literally just raised prices in Europe yesterday. You know, it's not a problem and it's not going to be <laughs> for a long, long time. I don't even with the recession, um, a lot of incentives are going to be aligned to push Tesla cars, I think, more than anything because they're electric. So I don't see them sort of switching gears to advertising. But if they do need to advertise, my gut tells me is that they will have very good ads that will actually inspire people to sort of buy the product. That's my guess. Um I, I did sense. just want to like double click on Ben's comment real quick. Sure. As far as like he is a very small minority of people that not many people are willing to pay for email. Not many people are willing to pay to cut the cord so that they don't have to see ads. And for those who don't want to do that, I think they should have that option. Um, but you know, it's hard to run a whole business on such a small minority of people. Yeah. yeah. I agree with you that point. Ju- you just price it to the point where if, if the majority of people took that option, you don't care because the average revenue per customer off of an ad would be less than that. Um, and back to the demand and supply point, I, I think Tesla, if Tesla lowered the price by even a thousand, I think it would have like way more of an effect than spending a thousand per vehicle or something on advertising. To my recollection as well, I don't think the board's approved advertising as an expensable uh, M&A line, uh, because I think two annual general meetings ago, there was a vote for Tesla starting to spend advertising dollar and it was shut down by the board. Not sure that that matters. Not sure it's a board decision, but uh, at least that's where the board was at. Mm. Uh, just just a quickie, a lot of experts, so-called, I've heard it, they think that 3 million cars is kind of like a, it's a, 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 a mark that is a demand impediment. That once you're three million, it becomes tougher to to raise your numbers. 
So that that's the only reason I was asking. Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, Mace Wan. McEwen. 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> English is not my first language. Thank you very much for the $4 super sticker. Um, and then Mimi actually uh, make, makes a great comment here. That's why I love live streams, no ads. That's because I'm not pushing them. <laughs> I do have the option. I, YouTube gives me the option to put like um, uh, ads in the middle of live streams, like just randomly come up, but I, I don't do it because it breaks the flow. So, um, but you very, you very well could if you wanted to. Um, but I don't please, buy please buy Coca-Cola. <laughs> please buy Coca-Cola. Brought to you by Pfizer. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, great discussion around uh, ads and Twitter. I think, again, like this, I'm, I'm just so fascinated to see how this plays out. Really, really fascinated to see how this plays out. Um, any last thoughts? Sorry, I just go ahead. want to, you know, put props out there. A lot of people waffled a lot of people went back and forth said oh elon wants to buy it oh elon doesn't want to buy it oh elon wants to buy it elon doesn't want to buy it and farzad always stayed true elon's gonna buy twitter and he did thank you <laughs> appreciate it i appreciate that pharaoh was right yes that's why i'm wearing this today everybody <laughs> bow down to the prophet i'm just kidding obviously you should, you should wear uh, that come tuesday too just like november 1st still have it on Oh, sure. Actually, you know, I should wear it on freaking Halloween, October 31st. Why aren't I doing that? Because I'm, you know, in my head, honestly, I'm like, oh, Halloween's on a weekend. It's Sunday. And then literally today, I'm like, oh, shit, it's Monday. It's Monday well, I already yeah. said I'm going to do this, so I'm going to do it anyway. Plus, yeah. I don't live stream on Monday, and I figured this would be, you know, a nice surprise for everybody. But maybe I'll yeah. do it twice. Who knows? Yeah. Um, any, any parting thoughts on Twitter before we move on to the last topic? Twitter ads. L last thing on Twitter... I'll, I'll just say is uh, not that I've said too much already, but look, I no, think please. I think there's a lot of good here that can happen with Twitter's platform. Despite it sucking so much objectively today, we are all using it for many hours a week, maybe many hours in a day, depending on who we are. And despite all of that, we love it. And so if you, if you look at this platform in five or 10 years, what's going to be massively different about it is the big question. The monetization, we're not investors. We don't really care about that aspect of it. We just want, as consumers, selfishly, we just care about the user experience. How can Twitter get better from a user experience level? I think there's a lot of good here to look forward to. Um, and of course, with anything that Elon touches, uh, it, chances are it's going to turn into gold. So I'm excited to see where it goes to. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I 100% on board with that. Last topic. Here we go. Martin Vieca, the head of investor relations, we're going to switch over to Tesla for the last bit. I'm sure everybody in the comment section is also excited about Tesla. Thank you all. By the way, thank you, everybody, for joining the stream. Give yourselves, give yourselves a round of applause, everybody. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Always great to have you guys on. Always good to have you all on. I'm from Texas. What am I doing? Uh, Martin Vieca, the head of investor relations for uh, Tesla. Uh, he tweeted this uh, yesterday at 2.50 p.m. my time central. I find this highly non-consensual. By the way, I had to look up this word. I didn't know what non... I thought he, he wrote non-consequential, but it was actually non-consensual. And for those that don't know what that means, it means not agreed to by one or more of the people involved. So I learned a new word yesterday. Thank you, Martin. I find this highly non-consensual theory fascinating. What if iSales, internal combustion engine, 
fiasco our sales collapse well before EV electric vehicle capacity grows to a level of say 90 million per year vehicles a period in which there are not enough EVs to go around but it doesn't make any sense to buy an ice anymore what do you think and then he linked to this uh a very infamous value of death chart that those that follow Tesla know exactly what we're talking about and those charts assume that this level of bv supply the supply of icevs is essentially irrelevant to this analysis so what the what the what, what this basically says is like hey there's going to be a time period here at some point where the amount of people that want to buy an ev versus the amount of evs that companies are going to be able to make there's going to be a giant gap and the gas cars that would have filled that gap are not being bought because people are waiting to buy an EV. And that's what, that's what creates this value of death. What I found fascinating, absolutely 100% fascinating, is that the head of investor relations pointed to this. And I think this is the first time that I can recall that uh, really anybody at Tesla has sort of directly pointed to this phenomenon happen they were always talking about you know tesla's goal is this 20 million cars per year everyone's shifting over to evs but now this is the first time i've seen uh somebody from tesla say and everybody else is kind of screwed because this is going to be kind of a problem and there's going to be a giant gap that forms um i view this as a signal and i'm obviously super curious to hear what you guys think about this tweet and everybody in the comment section too um i see this as a signal that Tesla is essentially going is confirming that this is playing out and that for the next call it um I don't know one two three four five six seven years or so we're gonna see an overall decline in supply of vehicles which is going to put a giant strain on folks that are looking to buy a new EV or the used car market which uh Jared I think wanted to talk about but he had to jump off so what are your thoughts on this? I find this graph to be very, very fascinating. This tweet, I think, is I, don't, I just I just find it so interesting that people, somebody from Tesla actually highlighted it. Thoughts? I thought the timing of um, of COVID, you know, COVID started. It was about a time where EVs were starting to rise. It destroyed the supply chain. So all these companies that were going to be farther along were, were delayed in their progress, except for Tesla, which was able to continue on to build factories and move forward. Now we move to a time where these same, and there's a bunch, you know, how many startup EV companies there are, there's, you know, probably hundreds of them, but they're operating now without any profit in these amazingly difficult economic times for a startup. And I can only imagine out of, you know, if there's hundreds of startups, 95% of those startups are going to go belly up. Either they're going to be acquired or merged, whatever, which is going to de further de delay the production of vehicles during that period of time. And during the same period of time, Tesla moves on. I assume we're going to get an announcement of a new factory or two, and they're just moving forward, accumulating cash to do whatever they need to do. So I think the kind of the natural events of the world has kind of enhanced that. Uh, to the benefit of Tesla. Yeah, I think this is kind of a direct response to earlier you mentioned there's a lot of people who pontificate, oh, after 3 million cars, there's no demand or that's a wall and we're going to have to do new strategies after that. And, you know, what got you here won't get you there 
is something that is traditionally true, but basically, in my view, this is Martin saying, demand problem? What demand problem? We are literally going to have pricing power for the foreseeable future, not only for our new cars, but also for our used cars. And not only that, in the meantime, oh, actually, never mind. You you were right about there being a demand problem. We're literally killing demand for the rest of the entire auto industry, and all those companies are going to die. And you like, you know, I don't understand Toyota's like, okay, let's reboot. Oh, we realize that our EV strategy is not going to work again. Let's reboot it for the third time in the last 15 months. Okay, you still lack the will to do what is necessary to go all in and you're going to fail. It's just, uh, if you go back and read The Innovator's Dilemma, I know that Clay Christensen doesn't think that you can have disruptive innovation from the top down, but pretty much everything else in that book, the reason that these companies are going to fail to do what is necessary to transition to the new technology is because they're listening to all their old customers, they're relying on their wisdom that they have accumulated over years, they have all this sunk cost and they're not immune to the sunk cost fallacy. And they just can't wrap their heads around all of the things that need to be done differently in order to survive. And then when you look at Tesla and how differently they have approached literally every single problem in making a car company that's more than just a car company, but even if you just isolate the car company part, they have done everything differently than legacy auto. There's no, and you know, we talk about these points all the time. They own the charging infrastructure because no one else was going to build it for them. They do service in-house. They are so vertically integrated, like all of these things. It's, um, they, they have had to attack problems completely differently. And they're the only company structurally set up to be able to navigate this transition. And so other people who this transition is coming on as a surprise, they just don't have what it takes. They haven't prepared properly and they're going to be dinosaurs. And so, you know, the only question is, it's gonna be interesting to see based on government intervention, how it plays out differently for different legacy automakers, but they're all gonna be facing the same difficulties the interesting part and I, I think i replied to that tweet um with with my analogy to it but the interesting part that or i guess the scary part of this is this if if we know that other than tesla um no one will be able to no, no one will be able to play this game of evs they can just jerry rig the rules in their favor and all of a sudden shift the transition if they want it at the government level uh, first that has my tweet up but, but my tweet was when i what like back in the days the motorola razor everyone loved that flip phone right it was the best one of the best flip phones back in the day and i was like this is like transitioning from the Motorola for, for uh, from that razor to an iphone but i didn't have enough money back then as a kid so i had to you know prolong my razor usage for a couple of extra years it's the same valley of death that we're talking about and so i'm actually scared to a degree when i look at the valley of death because they can they can rig the rules in their favor Today, as we talk, a lot of governments are saying, "Look, we're going net, um, we're going um, net zero emissions by 2035," or you know, we're doing all this green stuff. 
well, come 2035, if there's no if there's no production of EVs, who's to say they just don't flip the switch and be like, look, this was never feasible. Let's just extend another 20 years or something. So the problem is the the only real way to to have sustainable transit or, or have a real transition is to, for it to be consumer driven and also have production to match it. Because if you don't have production to match it, consumers can beg all they want, but government can pretty much intervent uh, it. it, it have interventions the same way that they're having today. So I think the issue here is, and everyone should be on the same page here, Tesla investor or not, we will, we should want these companies to succeed in their production of EVs because what made Apple so awesome was not Apple by itself. If Apple was the only smartphone company and the only monopoly of, of smartphones in the world, they would not be where they are today. It's Samsung. It's the competition that they had back and forth with these big conglomerates that pushed each other, that they stole engineers from, that they stole tra uh, tradecrafts from, that they sued each other over that rounded corner of the iPhone in like 2013. Like These things is the competition. It's the battle that we all should agree Tesla needs more of. I love Tesla today. I think Elon is a great leader for, for where they're going to. But look, folks, in the next 15 years, if Tesla doesn't get a legit competitor in production volume at scale, I'm going to be more scared than today when they don't have when they don't have competition because we need that push from the bottom. And I get it. Everyone's going to say Elon is always going to have fire under every employee's belly. But look, that's only sustainable for so long. As soon as long as uh, you know, once you're a mega cap company, once you're kind of you have the path to production, that's one problem. But the, the, the issue is how do you keep evolving from that point? And I get it today. We talk about robo taxis. We talk about FSD. We talk about energy. I get it. I'm on board with it. But we need more competition for the whole market to be more sustainable. Couldn't agree more. Beautifully yeah. said. Somebody turn that into a short, please. Because that was such a so well put. I think the, the the imagery that comes to mind is like if Tesla is this good without a competitor nipping at its butt, imagine how much better it will be with a competitor. Yeah, that's true. It would be nuts. It would be nuts. This is this is a Tesla with a self-made fire. You know, it's it's Tesla against against global warming. Imagine if they had or you know, climate change or whatever, whatever you want to call it. I think Hans is gonna come back soon here. He uh I look so much bigger now. Everybody does. Um, it's against global warming, but now you have or against climate change and sort of being becoming a sustainable civilization. And then on top of that, then add, oh, and by the way, there are people out there that are trying to dethrone you from that from that type of uh, a mission. It like it turns the dynamic shifts completely. It, it becomes quite quite insane, you know. And it's it's just I agree with you so much. Like the thing that also scares me is if the value of death happens and if we have a number of companies that do go under because they literally haven't had the foresight to try and prepare for this thing assuming that government doesn't step in and save every single one of them a certain percentage of them will go to the wayside and some of them could be big some of them could be gm ford volkswagen toyota honda Mazda, Mercedes, BMW, right? There's all these like giant players that are now potentially could go under. And think about the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people that are not going to be displaced. And you don't have the industry on the other side that's willing to take the people on because they don't have the capacity to do so. So then you have these folks like sort of floating in 
uh, sort of the uh, what's that place between living and dying? No the um, uh, no man's land, right? Uh, what uh, purgatory? You know, yeah. just kind of hanging out there, and it's yeah. I don't know. That's what I'm most scared about. It's, it's the instability. When people talk depression and recession with this thing, like my, it, it isn't like Fed. It isn't like uh, you know whatever is it, it it whatever these other factors are. It's it's recession or depression because there are industries falling apart and you don't have an industry on the other side that's willing or capable to take on the workers that are going to get displaced. That's how you really have a big recession, a big depression. You have a lack of the economy is not big enough. <laughs> You've destroyed one side. You don't have the other side available to take it. In my opinion, that's what happens, you know, and, and the fact, again, like you have somebody at, at the leading EV company that's saying, hey, this, what do you guys think about this graph that we've never highlighted before, but it's probably going to become true. Okay, like, are we trying to raise some, some awareness here for, for people to step up, like you said, you know, it's, I don't know, man, it's, it is scary. It is scary. I, I do fully, I do fully um, uh, predict that there will be competitors in the next five years. I think in the next five years, there'll be one player that will 100% be deemed a, like a true competitor by the folks that uh, study Tesla the way we do. You know, I don't think that exists yet. Um, honestly, BYD to me might be the closest, the closest from a price competitive standpoint and sort of like the scale, because it does seem like they are building those cars quite quickly. They don't have the profits, like they, they barely make any money, but that's okay. Samsung doesn't make a lot of money. You know, Samsung makes a fraction of what Apple does, but Samsung is a huge player in the cell phone market and whatever other markets, you know, very well, we very well could have a very similar thing play out here too. And don't forget how important the EV transition is to the Chinese government and how the Chinese government is enmeshed in those large companies. And so if it's important to the Chinese governments, as long as, you know, they're not losing too much money, then they can help make that happen. I was going to say is two, two things. One, um, I think we'll know that the EV revolution is uh, set once the oil companies get into the EV business. I think that's a natural movement that they will not want to lose their money. And it's a natural progression. I think uh, Lucid, even though I think the, 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 you know, there's issues with Lucid, but that's Saudi owned. And maybe that's the wave of the future, um, because I think if the oil companies got involved, that would be a complete flip to the, you know, really an impetus in progressing the industry. The other thing I wanted to say, and uh, I don't think I've heard anybody else say this, but Farzad, you are extremely, you know, uh, you, you don't brag. And I think you do a tremendous job moderating, just to let you know, like a band leader, you do a great job and you do a great job pulling up the information and I thank you really, really appreciate it and it makes it provides clarity to what we're talking about so thank you thank you so much dude that's very nice that's very kind I think you're being too nice but I appreciate that thank you thank you um what, what are the thoughts any any other thoughts around that um sort of string we're pulling on here I think BYD makes sense, but again, I think a lot of their um, profits come from government subsidies. Outside of that, they would not be profitable. Uh, also, I think remember they also make gas cars. People like to think they just make EVs. Like folks, they're making gas cars. They call them NEV or NEVs. I think in China, and like they include hybrids as well. Like let's not like 
like, why are we forgetting this when we're talking about BYD? It's like everyone's assuming they just make EVs. Tesla's the only pure EV play at scale, uh, remotely close to it. So yeah, I, I mean, look, at the end of the day, do I think Ford will succeed? Probably not. GM, probably not. These guys have too much baggage. Um, you know, when your whole expert, when your whole job is predicated on not understanding something, why would you understand it all of a sudden? So that's the problem I have. But look, I, I think it's still exciting times ahead. Look, if Tesla wasn't where it's at, I'd be more worried. But at the end of the day, like Tesla can pick up a lot of the slack for now. Um, Tesla can also outsource a lot of their drivetrain battery stuff eventually if it comes to it. And Tesla, let's say Tesla was hitting this point where it's like, look, we can sell 10 plus million or we can outsource and we can have three other companies buy it off of us and we can make close to 70% of the profits, but they can do all the work of servicing everything like that. Maybe that's a scale that they go through. So there's a lot of things to look at here. Robot, if robo taxis come out, none of this matters, right? Like if robo taxis come out, then we're going to be talking about should Tesla even continue to sell consumer cars rather than just deploy networks out. So there's so many different tangents we can go through, but it, I mean, it is exciting times as a Tesla investor to say the least. Agreed. 100%. Kind of interesting, interesting that Ford shit can their kind of uh, autonomous driving. They decided that's it. That's all folks. Yeah. Yeah. So many, so many anti-Tesla people were so pro on the Argo AI. And like, you look at all the receipts that everyone's saying how it's like the world-class leading robo-taxi platform out there and network. And, and then it's literally like they just shut it down. So it is pretty funny that. Yeah, you, you definitely hate seeing it, but it is funny to see the receipts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the receipts. I love it. <laughs> <It's fast. laughs> oh, man, we're getting some comments here in the comments section. Looks like um, Twitter is letting go of more folks today. Uh, a couple hundred, it looks like. I'm trying to pull up a, um, a uh, sort of news article that can cover that, but I'm having a I'll tag you. That. I'll tag you on okay. it. Okay. Oh, on, uh, on Twitter. For, uh, it was Sawyer. Quick. Oh, Sawyer? Oh, I can, I can pull him up. Let's see what Sawyer's got to say. Um, any any parting thoughts here on... Oh, here we go. Uh, departing Twitter employees say layoffs have started. Okay. Bummer. Yeah. And and like, folks, you, like this sucks. This, this is like... I, I The last thing I want to see is people cheering this on in the comments and being like, these guys suck. All Like everyone that goes to work Hopefully, I like to believe tries their best every single day. We don't need to be cheering our uh, cheering on layoffs. Been part of them, have laid off people. It's never easy to go through this sort of stuff. And remember, these are just people that, at the end of the day, like came to work this morning and and now don't have a job. So let's let's be respectful. Not that I saw anyone not being respectful, but I think that let's just keep that in mind when we uh, when we look at this sort of news coming out. A hundred percent. Do you guys mind if I play this real quick? There is about two minutes long. I'm curious to see um, if you guys don't mind if you could mute on your end and then we'll take a listen here. I don't hear it. No. Oh, did I? Uh, hold on. Maybe I didn't share this properly. Hang on a second. Let me see. Oh, here we go. Sorry, guys. Sorry, y'all. Uh, 
Michelle Obama wouldn't have happened Elon Musk, Twitter, Elon know, Musk right? would be Twitter. a town square. You know, Obama in 2008 wouldn't have happened without uh, my like an Elon Musk on Twitter. You need free speech uh, is when an, yeah. a public company, you know, a public owned dog. <laughs> um, not like one guy owning a company, you know. But I mean, I even own a Tesla, man. Like. I, I'm a big fan of like clean energy, climate change, um, even free speech too. But um, yeah, software engineer. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it sucks to see, right? I mean, the fact that you know, and I was almost feel bad playing it because I'm like, you know, when is the last time somebody's been laid off, and then you got cameras in your face, like that kind of sucks. So. Enron. Enron, um, yep, yep. Enron facts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it kind of like puts a lot of like uh, a big spotlight on just how much attention this is getting. The fact that, you know, there's an engineer that just walked out of a social media company and they got people interviewing him that, hey, how come you lost your, you're one of the first ones that lost their jobs. That sucks. So I, you know, I honestly, I, I, I wish I wouldn't have played that. So um, bummer. I don't know if you guys have any reactions on that, but I just I feel like shit for having played that. Don't, don't feel, feel bad. bad. Like, oh, oh, I'm getting some feedback, feedback here. here. No, you're good. Oh, sorry. There we go. You should. Be uh, don't feel bad. I mean, like, look, that's going to be aired on all the wires and the news places for better or for worse. Um, look, I, I think we don't have to agree with everything that everyone does or everyone thinks or their opinions, but that doesn't mean we don't try to treat everyone with, with respect. Uh, so, look. People are going to be, people are going to hate, this is kind of protocol, right? When you buy, when you take over a company, when there's new management, there's going to be cleaning house. Um, there always is, almost always is. And it, it's not even, I don't even like to say trimming of fat, but there's going to be a new leadership in place. And for that to happen, there's going to have to be turnover. Um, if yeah. the old ideology in the company wasn't working, then it, that's why the new management wants to come in and shift it. So um, I already think the Tesla engineers are in place in Twitter headquarters. So who knows where that's going to go. But remember, Elon owns this privately at this point. So, it, you know, what he does yeah. is his private corporation. That is, um, I still think that point gets lost. This ain't a public company mm -hmm. anymore. A, a private yeah. company, boy, do you have a lot more freedom as a private company. I was going to say that, you know, obviously you feel bad for those people, especially like in the Bay Area, you know, expensive the cost of living is. That's a tough, uh, a, a tough change. But if you look at all the big tech companies in the same area, they're all laying off tons of people. So it's kind of consistent. You know, this may be more directly involved related to the acquisition, but even without the acquisition, they probably would have to do layoffs because of the economy. So it's kind of in line with the rest of the tech. And, you know, ultimately you have to make the company profitable. I mean, ultimately if it's not profitable, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely going to have to have the shock to the system because obviously a lot of things need to change at Twitter and you can't do that doing things the same way that they've been done. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that you can observe right away is there's going to be a lot of layoffs. And if you're doing a lot of layoffs, there's going to be some good people that get let go in the middle of a lot of layoffs. 
there might be some fat too. And so, you know, you can't necessarily make a value judgment on whether or not these were good engineers. Like this is just something as Yashu mentioned that needs to happen right now. Um, and it's really difficult to have to do that um, as someone who's had to fire people before. That's not a fun process, um, but it sometimes needs to be done. And then as they make this transition, we'll see, you know, what comes out what are they able to what are they able to do with this as they turn the company around yeah good i was gonna say it's it's really difficult to make sense of that too as a person being laid off like why yeah you, your life is stable and you don't realize that the world has changed and i think you know this is something that the market has realized is that the world has massively changed over the last six months to a year and there have been a lot of people who have been insulated from the fact that that change has already occurred. And so they don't realize that this change was coming for them and it was unavoidable. Um, and like you said, this is going to be something that goes across companies, Google, Facebook, uh, Microsoft, there's just a lot more layoffs that are coming. And that is just a structural fact that, has been brought about by the way that the world has already changed um and so you know it's unfortunate for the people who are going to be on the layoff end of that um but yeah that that change has already occurred and if you're working at one of those companies uh, it's good to start thinking about and preparing for how will i make changes and modifications if i'm on the receiving end of a layoff that may or may not have anything to do with my skill and my performance and my value. Um, so you need to think about budget, you need to think about expenses, uh, and then you need to think about being able to market yourself. Mm. True. It's, uh, it's one of the roughest things to go through, for sure, as a person. But, um, oh, we lost Yashu. Yashu's like, I'm out of here, guys. Maybe he, uh, he pressed the wrong button. Anyway, it's probably a good time to stop anyway. If Yasha comes back, we'll let him back in here in the next couple minutes or two. But he probably had to jump off. He had something going on. Thank you all so much for joining us. Oh, no, he's back. I think he hit the wrong button. What yeah. happened, dude? You're just sick of us already? I was about to unmute myself. I pressed leave studio. Sorry. I just, okay. Come on, by the way, that says uh, from, from Ed uh, Ludlow on Twitter saying that, uh, that it may be a hoax. So we may have just uh, contributed to the fake media here narrative, which is pretty ironic considering what we were talking about in the beginning of the stream with, uh, with the new media. So yeah, we don't oh, know. look at that. <laughs> so let's see what, what this says here. Let's pull it up. What a time to be alive update hearing from sources that inside Twitter staff believe the individuals who walked out and identified as Twitter employees are enacting a hoax. And in <laughs> fact, were not laid off have not responded to requests twitter and twitter san francisco for comments or return calls elon what? <laughs> boy what a time we live in right now uh, just just like yeah. one question like why what's what's the like attention yeah or i i guess if they're you like know? if they're actors yeah maybe but it's not la yeah. come on it's like sf or they just really they when somebody you know it's kind of crazy when you don't like somebody you do some weird stuff and that's mm -hmm. the one thing like now that i'm like in the public eye quote unquote a little bit more i like you know, when you get that hate, you like you ask yourself, like, why do you invest so much time on this, bro? Like, 
I'm sorry that I make you feel the way that you feel, but like, why, why me? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like why are you going through such lengths? So th like that opened my mind up to a lot of the psychology of like when somebody doesn't like somebody that that's all they think about is like, Hey, like this person, I just don't like them so much. Mm -hmm. They don't have positivity in their, in their life to sort of offset that it mm -hmm. becomes an obsession of sorts, you know? So, and I'm not saying it's a hoax or not, who knows? I will find out I'm sure very soon here. Cause it is, this thing's going to be, it's probably already <laughs> every single news side has picked this up already so yeah. i'm sure we'll hear from elon uh what he says but um yeah, yeah. crazy That's... Time. <laughs> it's crazy i just don't crazy. get it this is yeah. actually crazy now i hope they're laid off like this is now my psychology is like i hope they're laid off like this is like a lose-lose situation this sucks you know so someone's saying pulling out a framed photo of michelle obama was kind of a hint <laughs> well i think it was her book right I don't know. Maybe yeah. it was like a tactical book. Hey, we're talking about advertising and like the unique ways you can advertise today. Talk about unique ways you could advertise a book. I don't know. Yeah, true. Exactly. That's pretty funny. Bingo. <laughs> yeah, because most people Obama don't money. Like be, most people don't like to be publicly humiliated. No volunteer for that. that yeah, that's true. Yeah, like why would they that's stop? True. Yeah, I mean, you think exactly like Baron right. Stearns, like you know, when there was those interviews of them getting fired, like they were trying to run away from the cameras, right? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's very Crazy. true. That's very true. All right, folks, we're two hours in. Thank you all so much for joining me today. Uh, Yashu, let's give you some plugs. What do you got to plug today? I got nothing to Come plug. On, I'm, I'm going live at 12 p.m. Pacific. Um, you that, came that, in on it. this podcast. And you dropped a ton of knowledge. You're not going to freaking plug your channel. Get out of here. Hit that bid I, right here. Boom. I'm going to do it for him. Hit that you. bid. Go subscribe to this man. Thank you. He does I, such good work. Going yeah. live at 12 in about 50 minutes here i'm gonna to try to take a little nap i woke up way too early this morning before my stream okay. so i uh, hope i can get a nap in but i appreciate everyone everyone tuning in the chat like chat was amazing today with all the ideas yeah. and, and, and hans and uh, mr anonymous himself with all the ideas like yes. this is a great discussion yes absolutely cp thank you so much for two dollars super chat you're a good person farza thank you you're a good person cp thank you everybody's a good person it's a good person circle um hans web three lawn right on twitter can we find you anywhere else or is that that's it? the main place okay and then uh i'm gonna guess anonymous wants to stay anonymous for for today is that right elon you can find borg hand in in california Whoa. in california right. look at that face reveal somebody make a short out of that <laughs> oh my god that's amazing thank you all so much thank you everybody happy friday hope you have a great weekend in about an hour, right, Yashu, you're going live uh, yep. for Market uh, Power Hour Friday. Bring mm -hmm. that juju. Uh, yep. Definitely go check out my man, Yashu. And Hans and uh, Robert, thank you all so much for jumping on. And then before we leave, you know, I have to get used to doing these plugs now because I did freaking start a merch freaking thing. Uh, if you're interested in supporting the channel, I have merch. Here's what the merch looks like. Farzadmisbahi.com slash merch. You can find it in the description. And I just released three new shirts today. I released a uh, March of Nine, March of Nines shirt. So it's the March of Nines. I got some inspiration from nice. Mrs. Scott on uh, Twitter. And then I also have, so the the sort of uh, robot design for the robots are coming, but it's a glitch version. It's glitched because it's AI and AI sometimes glitches deep, crazy. Anyway, uh, I thank you all so much. I think we're gonna need a Pharozod shirt now. I think we do. <laughs> I think we do. I want to go downstairs and make, take a selfie right now. <laughs> <laughs> Exclusive only on the secret merch, merch store for Patreon supporters and YouTube supporters. Legitimately, it exists. If you go right here, there's a little link at the top. 
It says secret store. You click on it. You can only get the password if you're a member. Wow. Such great marketing, Farzad. You should do ads on Twitter. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> is the password is the password like Yashu sucks or something? Like one, blue, that might be the second one. Yeah. yeah. The first one is definitely a very juvenile joke for sure. And uh, <laughs> if somebody figures her out, you deserve to get the merch that's in there. So anyway, thank you all very much. Yashu, I'll let you go take a nap. Hans, um, Richard, thank you so much. I think I called you Robert earlier. I meant to say Richard. Sorry, dude. Close, close enough. It starts with an close R. Close enough. It starts with an R. Yeah. People get my name wrong all the time, although you haven't. So I feel bad for calling you uh, Robert. Um, <laughs> but anyway, thank you all very much. Have a great weekend. Mwah. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. And broadcast. Here we go.